Sound Pages is a literary series featuring resident artists in the Jack Straw Writers Program. No one would have believed her. Not since she'd mooned some of the members of the Catholic Church across the street on Easter Sunday had she been a favorite in the neighborhood. This program features the work of 2016 writer Shantina Vernon. She spoke with curator Karen Finneyfrock about her work. So your project for Jack Straw is a solo performance piece. Tell me about it. Well, it sort of started out that way when I was thinking about what I would do with the fellowship. And then what I ended up with was something more in the line of fiction, but that included the spoken element of of performance and that I really thought of the characters having a couple of monologues throughout the story that kind of reveal a little more than what I was able to say um, just, just in the regular writing. Where did this piece of fiction come from? Did it grow out of another project? Well... Yes, it did grow out of another project. I had written a piece, a solo performance piece called Wanted, and I wanted to kind of continue with the central character of Wanted in some way. It's partially autobiographical, and so I wanted to revisit sort of the last days of junior high going into high school, which was a period of real transition out of the story of Wanted. Um, and so this piece sort of lives there. It it merges the summer before I moved to Dallas. I grew up in a really small town. And it's just sort of drawing distinctions between country and sort of slow life and city life, urban life, which is what I was sort of collided into <laughs> when I turned this corner. So these two are friends who've grown up in the same small town together and just sort of what happens to them as they as they go their separate ways, still sort of trying to hold on to the things they loved about being friends. Here's a quote from you. At the heart of my artist practice is the belief that to really tell any story well, you must first be willing to tell your own, honestly. Tell me why that's important and how your own story features in your artistic work. Well, I just feel like whether it's characters in a play or characters in a written story, that you can really only be as honest through those characters as you can be with yourself about your own personal narrative in a sense. Because, you know, a fiction, for me, it's the most honest form. I know people think, oh, it's fiction, so it's, it's sort of, you know, all not true. But it sort of can get to the heart of the emotional truth a lot quicker, I think. And so if you haven't really explored your own narrative, your own sense of what is true for you internally, I think it's really hard to do it for your characters on the page. Tell me about a time, maybe when you were younger, when you first knew that you wanted to be an artist or that you were an artist. Um, I grew up with older parents who were not literate people. And um, in my early years, I, you know, I got into some trouble with the juvenile justice system. And the response from uh, some of my family members who were trying to figure out how to form, you know, like a net 
of support so that I could sort of move from that period was to move me to the city and to enroll me in a performing arts high school. And so I believe, as with a lot of artists, I guess, who have really challenging upbringings, uh, challenging childhoods, the arts become a means of being able to just to, to process the experiences and to really have a place to be introspective about the things that are happening to you and around you. And so going to that performing arts high school, though, I think it really just kind of set me on a course to being an artist because I felt like I found my tribe, you know, people who were as uh, peculiar and as strange as me, but who were really inquisitive and curious about the world and also just had certain kinds of gifts and needed a place to be able to to explore them and to use them. And so when I look at like my path as an artist, I feel like it's definitely from that period and just really trying to save myself from like the small town doldrums, you know, you're in some of these places, you look out and you're, you know, you're a child, you're a dreamer, you think, oh, there's got to be more than this, right? So it's really, it was really for me a gift to be able to escape what could have happened had I remained in that small town and to go to a city like Dallas where I could find support you know, for the kind of child that I was. So I think that really set me on the path to being an artist. And now you work with youth. Well, uh, I work for an arts as an alternative to incarceration program uh, here in Seattle called Creative Justice. And yeah, I feel like if I hadn't really, you know, done the work on that piece and sort of had the kind of beginnings that I had, I, you know, I wouldn't be a right fit for this work. But but I am. So that's why I sort of continue to do it. It's also why with this particular story, you know, I could write the much further along in my adult life version of some of these stories. But I really wanted to kind of dig into what it's like to be a teenage girl. Uh, one of the things that I learned working in the juvenile justice system was that there were lots of young girls who are criminalized around their sexuality and sort of criminalized for the very things that make them free, you know, and open young people. And so I really wanted to explore uh, through this story, through Bad Apples, what it is to have this character, Maria, who starts out very sensual, very in deeply engaged with her world, you know, peeling the wings off the butterflies, chewing. It's sort of how we were as country kids, you know, like the world was our just discovery plane, you know? And so to write about her in that space at the very beginning of just being open and totally engaged with all that is alive and then to gradually watch the things that happen and how they sort of chip away at her over time and to to watch it happening, uh, this, you know, Maria being uh, a Mexican girl growing up in West Texas and to sort of like see how friends handle challenges and how secrets start to sort of tear apart relationships in certain ways or strengthen bonds in certain ways, right? Because these two are bound by the secrets of the things that, that are happening to them that they are trying to sort of process through, you know? So that's all, that all comes out of growing up in West Texas. Now we'll hear a selection from Shantina's live reading. Apple One. No one would have believed her. 
Not since she'd mooned some of the members of the Catholic Church across the street on Easter Sunday had she been a favorite in the neighborhood. Springing out of the dilapidated refrigerator that had sat days on the side of the curb, she'd shown the members of St. Mary's Catholic Church her bare brown ass in an act of rebellion that marked her all over town at just seven years old. <clears throat> Hail Maria full of grace, here's my ass all in your face. We were stunned. All the kids knew she was different, but that was just crazy to us. Adults were like demigods. You didn't mess with them just because they were bigger. But there she was, cheeks to the wind, sent people shooting out across the parking lot like balls on a pool table. That's the day I made it up in my mind that we would be the best of friends. She could do what I would have done had I not been so utterly afraid. I became fiercely protective of her, even in hearing what the townspeople said about her, her mother Eva, and her father Manuel. ¿Qué tiene esa niña? She ain't got the good sense God give her. I'd say tell her mama, but that apple. It didn't matter to her. In those days, she couldn't know everything for sure, but her mama and daddy had been in love when they made her. That much she knew. What should it have mattered that they were only 16 when she was conceived? She'd seen how her mom was always hanging her head when the church people were around. If being that close to God meant being that far away from the real thing, she didn't want it. We became inseparable. I visited their house a lot that summer when her dad was making the most money he'd ever made working out in the oil fields, and her mom was watching other people's kids for extra pay. On the weekends, they danced and did yard work and made love while we played outside. I ate there, marveling at the way the whole place always smelled like warm tortillas. Maria, I'd say, let's always be sisters. Yes, what happens to you happens to me. Of course, she meant it wholeheartedly. She was decisive in that way. And on the back porch, we sang songs and called for the doo-doo bugs with our faces mashed against the earth. When hers emerged from under the sand, she didn't so much as blink before she ate it, smiling through her broken English as she talked and chewed. Just curious, because that's how you know what it is. You know, taste it. Feel it on the tip of your tongue. La lengua. Isn't the tongue awesome? Kind of spongy like a melon, but warm. Touch your tongue. You see? It feels nice. Not like it does when you kiss the pillows or chew rose petals. If you put yourself under the faucet, it feels good too. My mom says it's not bad to feel good. It's good to feel good. And so why would everyone there always like it's bad? I watched as she moved on to plucking apart butterfly wings, lining them up on the steps in the sun. I could see why some thought she was slow, but this was just Maria being herself. I tried to keep some of how we were the year I moved away. We promised to write and to visit and to howl under the same sky on the first day of the full moon. By then, they were calling us both crazy. We decided we'd always take it as a compliment. Mm -hmm. Apple too. It took me a long time to actually write, maybe a year or maybe two. I didn't really want to accept that she left, but I always did howl at the full moon on the first day. I still do. Her first letter read to me, I still feel like the gawky teenage kid in glasses. Jerry curls just ain't as cute as the asymmetrical cuts. Even when you try to dress it up with a huge side bow. I'll have to start all over to straighten it. I have no idea what I am here. Mostly, I feel like a creature. Skittish and hyper-aware, small and sharp, scrappy the way they say country kids always are. The city makes me nauseous. Too much this and not enough that. If you lived here, everything would be so much better. When they ride me about my funny accent, you can make them disappear with your magic wand. I miss our block and the tool shed behind our old house, 
Remember how we sat back there eating packet after packet of Pop Rocks before I left? Memories. We're coming for a visit soon, I think. I can't wait. Life is hard. Miss you. Love you. It was always amazing to me that she didn't know how beautiful she was, but she knew herself in such detail. I finally wrote and told her when the prison came to town and Colin's department store was all but pushed out by Walmart. Nobody drove in circles around the square anymore. All the batos and cholos with their colorful lowriders had left. Everybody was moving over to the next city, except us because we were stuck with my dad still working out in the oil field. Then one of the rigs exploded. Two of the men my dad worked with were killed. It had made the front of the paper. There had been three of them out there together that day. My dad was the only one that made it, lost a chunk of flesh out of his left leg. It healed for the most part after six months, but he couldn't stand long and they wouldn't take him back on the job. The manager lied and said that it was on account of the workers making an error that everything had happened. I didn't tell her my mom went mad when my dad owned up to it, swearing he took the blame out of guilt. We never saw any money from them after those six months were up and he started drinking himself to death. I'd imagined her somewhere with new friends, too busy to care that we were about to lose the house. The days seemed to roll out before me while I waited. Her letters came, but I stopped reading. I somehow couldn't tell her what was happening. How do you tell somebody that everything around you is changing and what it's turning into is something uglier than you've ever imagined? I didn't even know what the fuck was happening. I wanted to tell her sooner how hard it was, but I didn't want to be a burden. The Apple Tree. Every visit, she was different. Her lips, a darker shade of red. Her eyes, a chaotic descent into midnight. I had no idea what could happen to girls like Maria, and so many of us were Maria's now that I think of it. The letters had long stopped as the well of eaten words grew. That last visit, there had been a gulf of silence between us. We passed the minutes with small talk. I wondered about her funny new English accent. She gawked at my fancy new clothes. It was more than an hour before we found our way back to being the way we always were. It's because I can lie better in English, you know, already one layer removed from the truth. I could tell you that I'm great and that my life is great and I absolutely love it here. See? And you believe me, right? My English is good. I'm going to practice more. Watch. Maybe one day I can make all those things I say true. Knees drawn into our chests as we painted our toenails, she looked shrunken in the noonday heat. Looking over at her, it had never dawned on me that she would ever wish to be anything other than what she was. Something in her face that day was a lie. I could spot it just under the surface like mine. Tell me, I said, suddenly missing my friend more than made sense. It's nothing. I just like to go away sometimes. Everybody can't be lucky like you. Some of us got to stay here and hold up the bottom. Get it? The bottom? It stung because it wasn't true. I had never left. Months and months living away, and all I ever wanted was to be back there, away from those kids, all that concrete, and the corrosion setting in at home. I'd started my period the moment I arrived in the city. The cramps were always sharp, but so were the things I could see. I didn't tell Maria when it had happened and that it brought with it an unwelcome invitation from the man of the house. Felt a little bit like Maria knowing that she had been made with love, except it was the opposite. Everything blood, dying, and fading away. I never told her what it was really like, even though I had been the one who kept writing. I knew the bottom. I had secret nightmares of being swallowed up by it. Just because the move had come with more clothes and a new school didn't mean I'd missed the decay. The last thing she'd said to me that day made me sad that I hadn't told her the truth. I wish that a powdered flower cure is all it took. 
a yoke broken open on my gut the way my mom used to do when I'd get sick? Remember how she would cover the mirrors with cloth so the bruja wouldn't run from her reflection? <laughs> Not no more. Since my dad left, it's all Hail Marys all the time. She drinks rosary beads and lives off the apples. Hasn't helped her none. She remarried this new puto who pretends he's all about church. The last thing I can muster is a belief in some virgin namesake. Only destiny is real, the one I know, the one I live. Stepfathers are a bitch. And now the mornings, my stomach churns something sour. I know what it is, and it's his. I don't care. Doesn't matter that sometimes she comes to me as the most beautiful child, wanting and wishful. It's never long before her face morphs into the devil. I know it's a girl, and I know what that body will bring her. You think I'm crazy, right? People, man. But whatever. I wanted to be a veterinarian. Animals never hurt you unless you give them good reason to. In that moment, I capped the bottle of polish I'd been holding and looked up from my feet out over the field. I heard her sniffle but couldn't imagine that she was crying. We stayed that way for what seemed like hours until finally I broke. Yes, I said. What happens to you happens to me. I know she knew, probably way before I told her. She was always the brave one, Maria, always fearless, even in falling. I couldn't leave her there, out there on her own. When the full moon came up that evening, we sat quiet. It was the last time I saw Maria before she went missing. Sound Pages is a Jack Straw production. The 2016 curator of this program is Karen Finneyfrock. This episode of Sound Pages was produced by Daniel Gunther and Levi Fuller. Recording engineers are Steve DeTori, Daniel Gunther, Mo Preventure, and Tom Stiles. Narrator is Alyssa Keene, and executive director of Jack Straw Cultural Center is Joan Rabinowitz. Theme music by the Seattle Jazz Composers Ensemble. Produced through the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. The Jack Straw Writers Program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Culture, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, the Washington State Arts Commission, the National Endowment for the Arts, Arts Fund, and individual contributors. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology, available for purchase and featured online at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening.